connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that too, realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Paul Caroli, and I host a podcast called Changing Denver. It's a monthly show about our city's physical spaces, how we make them, and how they make us. But it's so much more than that. It's the conversations, ideas, and stories that define Denver's perpetual state of flux. Find more from our team at changingdenver.com and join the conversation on Twitter, at Changing Denver. Denver's changing. We can help. Hello, everyone. I'm Giles. I'm Emily. And I'm Michelle. And we're the Beyond the Trope podcast. Every week, we delve into topics like pop culture, fiction writing, and other nerdy things. We feature laid-back conversations, bad puns, and in-depth interviews with authors, comic creators, and more. Find our show at beyondthetrope.com. Hi, I'm Jimmy Palmiotti, and you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Now pay attention and stop playing with your dick. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2018. I'm your host, Brad, and with me this week is... Ryan! Hey, Ryan, you look different. I know, I lost like a shit ton of weight, but then I also gained it right back in my stomach. (laughs) Man, you must have eaten a lot of pizza for that to happen. You know it, man, I love pizza. (laughs) It's so crazy that you're here today, because I totally thought that you were being investigated by the uh, internal... uh, what is it for police? Oh, oh you mean affairs? internal affairs? Do you mean you think I'm a rat, a snitch? Or do you think that I'm being investigated? No, I just think you're playing evidence, and you said you weren't going to be able to make it this week because you had to work late to destroy evidence. <laughs> hey, man, as the great Denzel Washington said, King Kong ain't got shit on me. <laughs> nice. Way to tie it back into movies. Yeah. And, of course, James is just visiting with family, so it's not as scandalous. Yeah, no, of course not. Why would he be here? And then Henry went to space, so yeah, um, he couldn't be here either. So it's just you and me, and it's going to be the worst episode ever. Oh, wait, where's Zach? <laughs> Hi, I'm here. <laughs> oh, hey, Zach. Thanks for uh, ascending above the table. Oh, thank what you. What were you doing down there next to Ryan? I was totally blowing him. I mean, you wow. know, he just, he likes to pitch for, he likes to, were. he likes to hit for both teams, man. I'm just saying. No, um, Ryan's not here today. <laughs> oh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that was me what? doing. A, that was me doing a voice. See, like I'm very multi-talented. That was so close to Ryan. I, I mean, what can I say, man? Like I'm a man of many talents. You, you know, should... mostly blowing imaginary Ryan, but you know. I mean, if you have to do like voiceovers for animation, like that will be your bread and butter. I haven't seen many cartoons that need that, <laughs> but you would be the top of the list. Guy. There, there you go. I, I have a very unique set of skills that make me a. Uh, a danger to many people. <laughs> so what are we going to do on the worst episode of Real Nerds Podcast, which is inevitably what this is going to be? Well, I believe we see a movie and then we podcast our experience to the world is what I've been led to believe. Okay. Um, well, what segments do we have? Uh, we have what's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. We've got movie news. Um, we've also got what we've been watching. And uh, we also find out what's going around town. 
Oh, hey, that's my cue. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot. Um, let's start with the drive-in. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, you can uh, check out Dunkirk, followed by Annabelle Creation, followed by The Dark Tower, which I might try to do because I haven't seen two of those movies. Okay, there you go. Right on. So that's cool. Um, Dunkirk in a drive-in? I, I'm not sure how that'll be the cinematography is a little dark so um the drive-in hasn't isn't the brightest projection mm-hmm. lately so i don't know how that would work but then again there's a movie with dark in the title the dark tower so I, that can't be very bright i i don't i in the poster for annabelle creation there's just black and then a doll's face so mm-hmm. it's going to be a very dim evening at the drive-in, I think. With but a lot of couples making out in their car. All right. That's right, because that's what you go to the drive-in to do, guys. You don't go to see the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Except for like, Brad. <laughs> He's I just know. like, I, I love cinema. Next to no me. girl will <laughs> spend any time with me. No. <laughs> Ever. You just you can just dress up your hand, like put two eyeballs on it and like a piece of blonde felt and be like, Oh, Brad, I love you. <laughs> Like South Park Taylo. <laughs> oh, hey. We're getting a delivery. Hey, those mom, brownies. Yep. My mom brought brownies. Thank you. <laughs> she just gave the thumbs up because she knows to be quiet. You're welcome. She finally made a cameo. I don't know why I'm going to find the time to eat them in the next hour, though. <laughs> <laughs> you can take some home. <laughs> just I'll, I'll, I'll probably eat them while you're doing your what we've been watching. <laughs> just smiling and nodding. <laughs> That's right. Jack Benny was a thing. <laughs> um and but, then, uh, so yeah, that's the drive-in. That's the drive-in. And then, um, yeah, what else did we... What's uh, Mayan... Oh, the Esquire this week. Yeah, or the Esquire, Shoot. yeah. <laughs> I didn't look that up. So while I do look it up, I will just tell you, um, so last Sunday was the 48-hour screenings. Which I had to miss, unfortunately. Yeah, um, jerk. Yeah, I know. But uh, how did it go? It let me down. I heard something magical happened that hadn't happened to you before at that screening. Or at maybe screening? it had before, I don't know. Uh, no, the big news is that we won the uh, audience favorite nice. for our group. Excellent. Probably well-deserved, I'm sure. Yeah. Until um, I see the movie and endlessly shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> uh, no, the it was... I went and saw all the films, so I can tell you that there is quite... There's some very amazing competition mm-hmm. ahead, but they haven't announced what the best of grouping is yet, but it's cool that we won the uh, audience favorite because that's kind of something... Wouldn't the audience favorite kind of give you a a golden ticket in, or do they not even put that in consideration? I don't. Like, I don't know how they choose. Uh, okay. That's obviously a secret. But I would say that in the eight years I've been doing it, um, not to be braggy, but like I haven't seen an audience favorite not get into the best of. Okay. Um, or at least if they did, I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, there's no guarantee because there was like two other films that kind of had the same concept as us. Mm. In a way, so if you're pro- if you're programming an evening of like twelve of these of the best films, do you really want to repeat the same content? I'm I'm just saying, like even if it's you good, know, you know, buying them off is really like is <laughs> is is how Hollywood works. Sometimes I think <laughs> I don't know if it's buying off or just uh, some favors, <laughs> sexual favors. All right, what do we got here? Um, oh, so, forty-eight, come here. <laughs> so this week on was Spirited Away, which we didn't get to say because we did film explosion last week. Right. Yeah. So next weekend is another 
half the room, half Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right on. Get some audiences excited for the Disaster Artist coming this Christmas. Um, yeah. Actually, it's interesting. Did you uh, did you drive by the Esquire at all last night at all? Uh, I didn't, but I saw you saw the, the post the, for Brigsby Bear. Oh, so the um, the marquee on the outside of the Esquire um, for Spirited Away said, "None of these my pigs parents. are my parents." Yeah, <laughs> and I was, and I was just I like, "Ah, oh, why am I not there?" <laughs> yeah, I've seen I, like when Spirited Away came out, like mm-hmm. I saw it there or the Mayan like so many times. I'm like, it's such it's, a good movie. It's, it's not like a priority for me to like go there again. So I'm sure, like in ten years, I'll give it a shot. I saw the 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 week after it won best animated feature at the Oscars. That was the only way we knew about it. So because uh, I wasn't like a big, I I didn't really know who Studio Ghibli was until Spirited Away. I think it was my more or less my thing. Yeah, that and Pier- Princess Mononoke are like my two favorite ones. It's a good one. Uh, but since the room in Rocky Horror are kind of generic, I will prepare you for September first and second. They're showing the thirty fifth anniversary of Creep Show. And then, of course, my favorite, the following weekend, September 8th and 9th, which I'm going to try to cosplay for, is Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, which... What was The Secret of the Ooze? Spoiler alert, they really don't come to (laughs) reveal a secret. It's, yeah, it's it's the thing they tell you in the animated series opening that, you know... (laughs) They just the turtles are bummed out that they they thought it was like more special than what it was and oh, okay. that's kind of writing wise that's kind of a disappointing way to go like, promote <laughs> like yeah there's gonna be a big secret and then but it's okay even the turtles did... are like wow we're in this movie and we thought it was gonna be more important but isn't it okay because they dance with vanilla ice at one point I'm just saying wow. why does everyone bring that up <laughs> it's that's so cliche. I'm just saying man like you know there's more to that movie than vanilla ice he come on man future star of that's my boy I mean come on man. And all other Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> so that's what's happening around town. And if we're lucky or fortunate enough to go to the best of, that'll be September 7th at the Esquire. So so make sure you guys all be there because I will be there for that one uh, yeah. if you get in. So. And thank you to all uh, our friends uh, who came out to, you know, not Zach, who came out <laughs> to watch Cardi and Zaro and vote for us to be part, to win the audience. You know, it's entirely possible that, like, because you get to vote for three. Mm-hmm. We were like, everyone on our team voted for first their first choice, and then we ended up the third choice on everyone else's. That's <laughs> how it balances out. But, uh, so. you know, maybe me not being there was a stroke of luck. Like, you know, I'm just saying when I come to places, you know, things happen, you know? Like, you might have farted in the audience, and then and everyone somebody would be just like, you know what? I like that cardigan sorrow until I smelt a nasty odor in the air, and I'm like, fuck that movie. <laughs> This movie is this movie is somehow made nasty odors. I don't want to vote for it. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, check out the uh, best of forty eight hours. If Brad is in it, if it's not, throw eggs at the forty eight hour film council. Yeah, don't go. <laughs> Who cares then? Just kidding. No, there's great stuff by Stranger Studios and yeah, Cinema Geeks and Cook all Street veterans. in it again. Oh, Cook Street, like they were in our group and like, oh, because you so you guys teamed up. Uh-huh. You see, so you guys teamed up? No, no, they screened like in the lineup. Their movie was the first one of our group. Oh, okay, a screening group, and then we were we were the last thing in the screening group. Oh, nice, excellent. Um, so, yeah, that's it was interesting. Okay, theirs was like so funny. I thought, yeah, you know, it was surprising to me that we won mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the audience favorite. Well, there you go, another award under your belt, Brad. So, there's no actual award though. It's just like a it's more of a designation. They don't even give you a cookie? 
I don't think so. I guess I've never wondered before, so maybe there is. But I've never, <laughs> I've never seen a, like a Facebook post of anyone saying like, "Here's my audience favorite award." It should just be them sending you a cookie with an Oscar on it, like in frosting. <laughs> Oscar cookie. <laughs> so what's happening to the Alamo, Zach? Oh, oh wow, <laughs> that is the one thing I forgot to do. Oh, man, Dude. so weak. I know. I, I'm, I'm terrible. <laughs> what do you have up? I have news. Uh, so if we want to go ahead and do news first. Can you multitask and read the news and also look up the draft house? I think Or do I you want can. me to look up the draft house? Why don't you look up the draft house okay. and I'll do the news. It's real news. Um, uh, so after we filmed Film Explosion, the world decided to set itself on fire. And in the midst, we lost two uh, fabulous entertainers. First uh, was uh, D- uh, Dick Gregory, a uh, comedian and uh, social activist. Um, his comedy, along with Lenny Bruce, essentially kind of broke ground in a massive way for the uh, stand-up scene that we know today. Um, he was like he he didn't mince words, so um, and he was very active in the civil rights movement in the, in the '60s. So um, and uh, I guess like. It's strange. He kind of fell off a map a little bit, but like he, he had like weird ties to conspiracy theories in terms of like he kind of believes the same stuff that Charlie Sheen believed. I guess is kind of like more or less in regards to like nine eleven. So um, it's it's interesting the way um, uh, the way he kind of lived out his final years. But uh, uh, he was a very funny man. Wrote some great books and whatnot. Had great comedy specials. He will be missed. Um, the bigger news though came this morning at. Like freaking eleven eleven a.m. when we found out that comedic legend Jerry Lewis passed away at the age of ninety one, um, and uh, I mean, I, I, before I say what I want to say because I I have a very specific thing to say about this is like what's your experience with Jerry Lewis in terms of like did you ever watch a film of his at all or no the, like the clips I did see it, like it just seemed like a lot of mugging for the camera Mm-mm. like that's his comedy style it's not that. At all. Uh, it seems <laughs> like that. So, I mean, first off the bat, it seems like that when you're watching this stuff because Jerry Lewis started off in vaudeville, moved into nightclubs with when he partnered up with Dean Martin back in 1947 at the Copacabana. And uh, they ended up getting like offers for radio, television, and the movies and whatnot. And the style in that day, more or less, was kind of like hamming it up for the camera. Like, that's what comedy was. Like, comedy didn't transition into what where it kind of mixes the two until the graduate comes out in 67 so for a large period of time martin and lewis and then eventually just jerry lewis like was the ticket in comedy like that was the person you wanted to go to to get laughs um so uh, jerry also like he he's a very polarizing figure in entertainment history because there were a lot of there was a lot of great things he did, uh, such as his uh, work with the muscular dystrophy telethon, um, his uh, his love for the country of France. There are a lot of people who obviously though have a different point of view of Jerry. Um, I know you've um, like listened to Ralph Garman talk about it before on Hollywood Babylon, and but that's like one side of it. I think like he's also doing a character, kind of caricature of him. Yeah. So like, but the. Uh, his Jerry was uh, a he was he didn't mince words. He was a very like what you see is what you got. 
he stuck by his act for years. Um, and so like, it's kind of hard when you hear a bad story about a celebrity like that to, uh, like kind of compress it in your head with all the other knowledge of like all the good things he did. So it's like, it's like the way, um, Ryan feels about Woody Allen or, uh, Polanski is like, they did all this stuff. And then there's other, there's all this other stuff that you hear that, kind of like taints the memory to a degree and I've had that with Jerry Lewis on and off over the past couple of years but I will say though that like it's not like anything play- he didn't rape a child or anything I'm like you know what I'm saying but um uh six years ago when I s- sat down to write Twombly um I had to do a lot of research on radio that I never like had done before in my life and like reading all the obits and reading all the uh uh personalities uh about six years ago I realized that Jerry was essentially the last radio figure we had and that when he went like that's when old time radio kind of passes on into the mythos so like to get the news this morning was like jarring like i didn't cry like necessarily because i I do spend a lot of time with this with this subject and so like to hear it was jarring in a way like i was very silent and i just like kind of like I pulled up some clips. I watched some clips again of him and Martin at the Copacabana and uh, uh, stuff from Nutty Professor, the bellboy, and uh, um, At War with the Army, which is my favorite uh, that he did with Dean Martin. Um, but like the the radio show that they did only lasted four years, and it was between 1949 and 1953. And that's like literally like the last attempt to make this medium still relevant before television essentially just swallows it completely. Because then like more or less 10 years later it's over like it radio becomes a different thing for a different purpose um and like the last real radio show we have within that tradition is pray home companion so uh, which is still going strong thankfully on npr um but lewis like he did a lot of things for comedy he did a lot of things for filmmaking too he is the inventor of video assist the first man to have playback on set in a professional capacity mm. Um, he developed that he helped develop that technology so when we have now obviously we have we record on our um cam on our dslr cameras our digital cameras playback's kind of a given but imagine you've, you're having to work with film and you're kind of strapping that digital or the, the video camera the videotape camera that you have to get anything close to video assist and then you develop into playback and then you get all those um, scenes on BTS footage where people are looking at the footage, Jerry um, created that. So he was a technological innovator as well as a comedic force. So he will definitely be missed. He was 91. Like he actually like did the science or did he like tell the people, hey, here's an idea. Now make he it worked with the technicians to okay. develop how it was practical. He's like Lucas, like, hey, yeah. I want these ships to look realistic. Yeah, how do we, do, how do we get the, there? the innovator? I guess is what you would call it, like the or the the um the guy who says I have an idea, the idea man. I want to see my goofy face before it gets to the editing room. So that's pretty much what the thing was. Is because he was more more often than not directing himself. Yeah. So um and make it happen, nice lady, <laughs> lady. Um and uh, actually, you know, I I read I didn't realize he was on uh, the Simpsons. Like that was one of his last acting gigs in two thousand three. Um, he would played uh, Professor Frank's father, hmm. um, who liked to eat brains. So it's really funny. Um, so yeah, Jerry Lewis, ninety-one, terrible, uh, sad news. He will be missed. Um, uh, you know, the the last bridge to old Hollywood, for the most part, is gone because, like, 
it's not really a debatable question in my eyes. So the uh, it's on you to judge me on the internet boards, guys. <laughs> Go to realnerdspodcast.com and rant. <laughs> what else is happening? Uh, what else is happening? Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm got a teaser for season nine, which I guess it's been off the air for a while. Like there's a large hiatus. Um, but I saw the preview. It looks funny as fuck. Larry David um, still kicking it, still doing his thing, not giving a shit. Um, so yeah, if you're a fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm, if you're a fan of, uh, Larry David kind of complaining about things, then you shall, uh, not be disappointed. Um, on the business side of film, uh, so MoviePass, um, which is a service that buys your tickets for you via, um, the credit card companies, um, dropped its annual or its monthly price, I guess, to nine ninety five, and, uh, <coughs> essentially like you don't have to like you can you can only you could only go to one movie a year and still cover your cost um as opposed to getting a bulk of films so it's like the opposite of the disney movie club um but amc is not happy about it and uh they earlier in the week they were working with their legal team to figure out uh, how they could avoid using movie pass how to decline movie pass and um they've uh it was brought up about a couple days ago i guess via slash film that uh, in order for them to stop doing that or to ban MoviePass, they may have to cut ties with MasterCard. Um, so, like, if they stop accepting MasterCards, that's how they can get around the whole um, uh, issue with uh, MoviePass. But that would be stupid for AMC to do because then I agreed. I agreed. Like the, the f- they still have to sell movies. They, I mean, and the the thing is, is that like AMC, this isn't the first time they've tried to shoot themselves in the foot, <laughs> and like somehow, like I mean, I. I the, remember the whole texting thing where they were like, we're going to allow texting in the movies. I'm like, no, oh, good luck with that. <laughs> See how that works. And of course they retract it almost immediately. So this one might take a little longer cause it does deal directly with revenue. So we'll see what happens. Um, it looks like we're getting an Obi-Wan Kenobi star Wars spinoff according to the interwebs. Um, it seems like, um, uh, Stephen Daldry is in early talks to direct. He was the director of The Hours and Billy Elliot. Um, if they bring back Ewan, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I like Ewan. He was like one of the stronger elements of those prequels. Yeah. So, and he'll probably have better dialogue this time around. <laughs> but I think that, like I mentioned, it's gonna be a, a young Obi Wan Kenobi movie. So, but we got that. It was called Phantom Menace. <laughs> right. Didn't you see him without a beard, wearing a ponytail, <laughs> braided ponytail? <laughs> so it like. Ewan McGregor's probably like in his late forties right now. <laughs> so don't ruin my dream, Brad. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know where else to go with that character, but I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. Um, uh, maybe it's about the time between where he's um, just sitting on Tatooine talking to nobody. Yeah, That's dude. It, oh, it could movie. be. A, it could be an awesome one man show. <laughs> just watch Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, middle around the house Star Wars as you've never seen it before super fucking boring <laughs> he's just doing like Jedi mind tricks like moving stuff around the room it's it's literally like freaking like pet knobs and broomsticks are like a fucking Disney movie like bibbity bobbity boo <laughs> like god 15 years I have to go back and find that kid <laughs> I dropped off and I gotta make sure I don't remember owning a droid that could do <laughs> <Yeah>. amazing things <laughs> I'm just saying, guys, there's plot holes in every one of these movies. doesn't matter which one, good or bad. Um, so this isn't exactly news, but I thought it was funny because we do discuss horror films a lot on this podcast. Child's Play creator 
Don Mancini said he has an idea of how to have Chucky meet Freddy Krueger. <laughs> okay. Did they, you? They did, made Jason and Freddy in the same movie, so why not Chucky and Freddy? Did you read what his idea was? No. I'm going to read it for you. I've talked about this a lot over the years, and it's actually an idea I think uh, is cool and doable. It's just it would require a lot of legal red tape. Um, bait, my idea for the movie... <coughs> <coughs> is to do it as a horror movie version of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. It's called Child's Play on Elm Street. Chucky ends up in a bedroom of a house on Elm Street, and Freddy meets him there, and they're like fans of each other. So they have this rapport, but then they realize Elm Street isn't big enough for the two of them. It can only contain one killer. I... <laughs> it sounds like Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Um, I also am not sure if I like the idea of there being one scene where Brad Dourif and possibly Robert England like fanboying over each other <laughs> like that sounds like that's when meta goes way too far <laughs> like I'm like ah Chucky you're so cool <laughs> I know right you killed so many people <laughs> I forget what their voices sound like <laughs> alright what yeah. else so yeah um, Apple is in talks t- with uh, studios to do $50 movie rentals for films three weeks after they've been released in theaters so basically Something that's been tried and has not worked yet. Companies keep trying to kill the theater industry. And it's I not. Don't like that. I know. It's it's really not. It's not something you should do, guys. Because despite what Netflix is telling you, it's still fun to go to the movie theater. I'm just just saying. I don't want to invite my friends over, <laughs> sit in my house or my apartment, and watch. You know what comes out next week. <laughs> Um, what does come out next week? Uh, nothing. And we'll have to talk about that after yeah, the show. Okay. Great. Cause I looked at the schedule. Um, super, Tro- super troopers two has a very appropriate release date for 20 oh, yeah. of next year. Um, and, uh, I guess they've been working on it for a while. Um, they, they made 2.2 million in their Kickstarter within the first like week. And then they got like, I guess, I don't know if Fox search like matched it or something. I'm not sure what it was. Didn't, but. uh, uh, Kayvon. Kayvon and Andy Jewett. Um, Andy Jewett, local. Uh, for Sexpot Comedy um, at sexpotcomedy.com, guys. If you live in Denver, yeah, those two guys have a, like a little comedy empire going. Yeah. Comedy slash pizza empire. I don't know exactly how they're involved, though. So I think I'm they're not... producers. Okay, that's so. cool. So, um, But yeah, um, I like the first Super Troopers enough. I know it's got a big following. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not um, one of my favorites, but I mean, my my favorite line still is to this day of like, uh, "Hey, what's that place with the bright stuff and the shitty stuff on the wall?" You mean shenanigans? And they just start hitting them. <laughs> it's a funny, it's a funny moment, guys. Yeah, hilarious. Okay, what else? <laughs> um, Chris Columbus said he has an idea for Gremlins three, but it might involve killing Gizmo. <laughs> wow. Yeah, <laughs> that'll get the kids excited. <laughs> his basic like his basic quote on it was is like. If you think about it, Gizmo's been responsible for a lot of bad shit happening, so maybe we need to pose the moral dilemma. <laughs> Is it Gizmo's fault that the humans keep putting water on him or feeding that, him after that's midnight? A, that's the thing he also brought up, which is just like that would bring into the moral dilemma of like, well, technically it's not his fault, but he's... He should explain that like after midnight <laughs> is always after midnight, so... <laughs> No matter when you feed him, it's after midnight. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's after. That's that's the whole. It's five o'clock somewhere logic, isn't it? <laughs> yep. If you feed him at one a.m., that's after midnight. If you feed him at six p.m., that was after midnight from the previous day. Oh my god! The only time it's not after midnight is never. 
because even 11.59 p.m. is still after midnight. <laughs> I love it. Um, Unless they explain, yeah, there's a buffer of like five hours yeah. <laughs> after midnight that you shouldn't feed them in. I'm just saying, Chris Columbus, call Brad Haig. He will write Gremlins 3 for you. Yeah, you just need to like clarify some of the rules in in, in, in the world building. Yeah. Well, I think Chris Columbus is writing it. So then you would get a consulting credit or something. Yeah. You'd be the you'd be the guy he turns to and goes like, "Will this work for people of your age?" And you'll be like, "Yes or no." <laughs> yeah, he really cares about what thirty five year olds think. <laughs> he's like, "I've got Harry Make Potter." He's, got, he's like, "I've got Harry Potter money." Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to do shit anymore. Yeah, I'm just doing this for kicks, man. If I want to kill Gizmo, I'll kill Gizmo. <laughs> don't kill Gizmo. Please don't. Um. And then uh, this news, this is the last piece of news, more so for me. Uh, so Sh- Son of Shaft is happening, guys, um, directed by somebody I'm not excited about, but they're going to bring back Sam Jackson and Richard Roundtree for this uh, for this third or like this new installment. No Christian Bale? Why do we, why do you need Gravel Throat when you've got Richard Roundtree, Samuel Jackson, and, oh, the boring guy from Independence Day Resurgence. Fuck. How's he going to be charismatic? Who's right. the boring guy? Uh, Will Smith's son in Re- Independence Day Resurgence. Oh. Um, like, the guy you barely remember right now. And appropriate- There's a lot of people I don't remember from that movie. <laughs> Except for J- Jeff uh, Goldblum. Um, but, yeah, it's being directed by Tim Story, and Tim Story is... He's not... He's a serviceable director. Like, he's not, like, a bad guy. If you like guy. Fantastic Four and its sequel... I mean, if you if you like um, freaking uh, the, he did a lot of Kevin Hart comedies. Um, and he's done some other stuff, but yeah, uh, they say it's gonna be more or less an action comedy. It's gonna go down the Twenty One Jump Street route, which I'm. Uh, I don't know, especially nowadays, with what we're dealing with, that that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I know it worked so that, well for Baywatch. That's more or less well, especially with the. With what Shaft is supposed to represent, it's probably not the smartest move because that's trivializing everything that series was built upon. Like, even the remake with uh, Sam Jackson respects its source material, more or less. I mean, it's it's a showcase for Sam Jackson, but still, like, it, it respects the character. So, I don't know if this is the smartest choice, but maybe a trailer will convince me. I don't know. Or maybe they can boot Tim's story and get me to direct it. I'm just saying. I've got some ideas. Um, and so is that... that for news? What? Is that it for news? That is for, it for news. Great. That was all really boring and depressing. I tried my best. And my phone's <laughs> dying, so let's get to the, the, what's happening at the Alamo. Okay, what is happening at the Alamo? Hello. Hi, I'm Kevin Smith. Hi, I'm Leonard Malton. Hi, I'm Mark Hamill. Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. This is Seth Rogen. I'm Christopher Mitzblas. I'm Ron Star. Welcome to the Alamo Draft Night. I didn't mean it to sound derogatory. I love the Alamo. Russell's like 30 minutes into this episode already, so let's <laughs> speed it up. All right. Okay. Film Club this week, Alamo Film Club, they're watching Effects, which is like a Tom Savini it's movie. A, it's a it's a film about special effects artists Yeah. Um, in a horror setting. So that's Monday at 7.30 p.m. Tuesday, yeah, yeah, it's all Littleton, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Stan Lee tribute at 7 p.m. called Extraordinary. I'm guessing it's a documentary. Cool. I so like Stan Lee. That. And there's a Young Guns beer and tequila dinner at 7.30. <laughs> 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 I 
That actually sounds like fun. <laughs> fun guns. Uh, there's some movie called A Life in Waves that looks like a, an indie film, but it's like the it's a one night showing noise. Oh. It should be a surf documentary. I'm just saying. A Life in Waves. It looks like a like an M. No, like a. I don't know. The poster's cool. It's like multicolored and there's like a black and white face. Cool. It's like a album cover. Uh, let's see. What's going on for Thursday? Nothing special. And yeah. Let's go take a look at Sloan's, Sloan's Lake. Lake. Come on, phone. Dead air, folks. You can't get enough of it here on the Looks old... like there's a movie called Step at 9 o'clock. Oh, that has nothing to do with going up as well? Nope. Damn. Uh, and every week, you can enjoy Geeks Who Drink on... Oh. Yeah. Geeks Who Drink uh, at the Barfly Bar. Test your trivia knowledge. There you go. By playing Geeks Who Drink. So it's, so it's a weekly thing for them now, It's isn't a weekly it? thing, yep. Well, their bar's probably bigger than the uh, Glass Half Empty at oh, yeah. the uh, uh, Littleton one. So. Probably. You've been there. I haven't been to Sloan's Lake yet, no. Oh, wow. Yeah, I need to go, apparently. Uh, on Tuesday, Barfly also has Soundtrack Trivia Tuesdays with Brett Saunders. Ooh, so shit. I guess it's a music-only thing. That would be fun. There's also Girly Night, and they're showing re- Reality Bites at 8 p.m. <laughs> and then there's a Hot Fuzz movie party at 7 p.m. Ah! Oh, my God. Awesome. Want anything from the shop, Brad? Uh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World is playing. I like that film. 7.15 on Wednesday. Sad ending. Sloan's Lake. Um, shouldn't say sad. More like melancholy, or like oh sweet. Well, bittersweet. First, first there's a American Valhalla, which is I can't really see the poster very well, but it looks like two dudes with guns. Um, can't tell if it's old or new. Um, then there's Drag Queen Bingo, free admission, seven o'clock. <coughs> and then uh, yeah, they're screening Brigsby Bear. On Thursday. Brigsby Bear, the Kyle Mooney uh, sensation that's sweeping the indie circuit. Uh, Got Mark Hamill in it, too. And then Friday, the Barfly has a dog adoption with Max Fund, a screening of Best in Show. Yeah, I heard about that. That's actually a really cool idea. And then something called Happy Hour Flow with, like, a poster of people doing yoga. (laughs) I don't know what that is. So, it's beer yoga. So, that's what's (laughs) happening at the Alamo this week. Just call it beer yoga, guys. I'm just saying. What's coming out on Blu-ray? DVD releases and Blu-rays. Zach. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, the biggest release of the week is going to be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, You can get that in multiple formats, whether it's 4K, Blu-ray, Steelbook, DVD, Betamax, Laserdisc, all those things. Um, there's also some other stuff. Uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 2 is coming out on Blu-ray, uh, along with The Walking Dead 7th Season. Um, cover is all Negan all the time, guys. Um, <laughs> Ryan's bank account is strapped this week. <laughs> uh, Supergirl, the complete second season. So if you're into Supergirl, check that out. Um, got a lot of Criterion and a lot of um, uh, Arrow and... Uh, American Genre Film uh, Society stuff. So Let's get through af- them fast. So effects that film you were talking about at the Alamo, if you can't make it to that Alamo screening, no worries. You can pick it up on Blu-ray, courtesy of the AGFA. What a coincidence. Uh, yeah, exactly. I thought that was coincidental. Uh, the Slayer from Arrow, um, uh, it is a nightmare 
or is it? Exactly. And watch it and find out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sid and Nancy from the Criterion Collection. Great film by Alex Cox. I would definitely recommend checking it out. Well, <laughs> um, <Cox>. uh, what? <laughs> God damn it. La Poison from the Criterion Collection as well. Whale, Whale Rider on Shout Select. Um, Whale Rider is a good movie. You might want to check that out. Am I really that? Yeah, okay. I suck. I'm sorry. Um, and then Barton Fink, uh, Coen Brothers, uh, for one of their first really out there films will be getting a, uh, I think it's a Kino Lobor or a, uh, one of those like specialty companies is putting it out. I don't think it's Scream or Shout, so well, it wouldn't be Scream because Barton Fink's not a horror movie. I've seen Kino Lobor putting out like a lot of interesting stuff. Oh yeah. So. They've, they've got, uh, they, They're up they, in the game. they put out fucking, uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly in a really nice 4K restoration. So, yeah. And I, no Retreat, No Surrender. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So just saying, guys, if you want to check the check out some films that the studios are too afraid to put out in crazy cool collector sets, that's the way to go. Uh, and it looks like that's pretty much it. Um, oh, there is one interesting title that I did see. Zombies Have Fallen. So I don't know what it looks like but or like what the plot is, but... It essentially looks like the poster for London has fallen, but with zombies. So, zombies invade the White House? I don't know. I, I guess we'll find out eventually. So, But anyway, that's Blu-rays. All right, my phone's dying, so ask me what I've been watching. Brad, what have you been watching this week? So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for asking. <laughs> All right, so this is actually what I've been watching for like the past three weeks because of Film Explosion. Fuck. Yeah, strap in. <laughs> uh, so for a while now, I've forgotten to tell everyone I've been watching the Castlevania animated series on Netflix. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like four episodes, and it's so slow. <laughs> like, n- so little happens Remind- in those four episodes. What is Castlevania for those who might not know? Like, Briefly. Well, it's based on a video game okay. that started as early as the Nintendo Entertainment System. It's had many, many sequels okay. on different platforms since then. Um, so this is like an anime-style uh, animation show. Yeah. Um, and it's really just about uh, Dracula meets this woman who's all about science. Mm-hmm. And uh, the townspeople brand her as a heretic and then burn her at the stake. And so Dracula gets super pissed off, as he should, because the church is a bunch of assholes. Um, and so he unleashes, like, a curse. Like, they have one year to apologize to him, to him, and the church is too proud to do that. Because they're the church. Because they want to squash science. <laughs> and so a year later, Dracula's like, hey, I didn't get that apology, so here's a curse. And, like, so all the towns are overrun with demons. And uh, one of the, in the lineage of Belmonts, you know, he's like the the wandering hero who is super badass, but he also spends his time just getting drunk. <laughs> so half the time he's, you know, out of it, and other times he's super awesome with a whip. Kind of like me. No. Yeah, no. exactly like that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but that's part. the show is just you know, the church being a bunch of dicks <laughs> and trying to cover up all the shitty things they did. And then I think it's Trevor Belmont because... I think it was Simon Belmont in one of the games. I'm not entirely familiar with the games, but this I think it's Trevor is the new guy in the show. Mm. So, um, you know, he's like the drunken master. Okay, cool. So, and then, yeah, he gets hired to, like, save some girl. Um, 
uh, and it's it's weird because it just I think it's only four it was only four episodes and then it just didn't finish <laughs> like all the stuff that was set up didn't go anywhere like they just he just saves the girl um, in one episode or two episodes and then it's like oh that's a really short season not 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 as satisfying as you would have hoped <laughs> you know, there's just so much other stuff to like they don't defeat Dracula they don't stop the church um yeah. Well, that sucks. <laughs> uh, I rewatched Masterminds, which is funnier than when I fell asleep watching in the theater. <laughs> so, but it's still pretty kind of dopey. I like uh, uh, Jared Hess. I think he's. Oh yeah. I think he's a very funny guy. That's I why think I've been entertained watching in the first place. I know his mo- his movies more or less like they're not. Hit, I don't know if they're hit and miss so much. It's like they're just they're extremely quirky. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, I so. like that, but this one just it's also kind of based on a true story, so he doesn't have full liberty to do whatever. Right. Um, but you know, there's stuff like when he's wearing the like cat contacts and has a long hair disguise. Uh, it's like super creepy. I love the whole thing with his uh, assassin, who's played by um, what's his butt? J- Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, like, that's the part I didn't see in the theater. Their whole their whole like shtick is hilarious in that movie. But yeah. um, and Owen Wilson's kind of funny in it, but the, the rest of it is like it's it's definitely all over the place. Just kind of them being weird and quirky yeah um i also rewatched the founder which is great yeah um we already talked about it earlier this year don't don't think twice i watched again that's a good watch mm-hmm. uh, about improv and friendship and keegan michael key yes <laughs> it's not about just him it's not just it's all about, about just him um <laughs> uh, yeah and then i watched let's see i'm just trying to i should have done this in order uh, I watched the the next uh, Wet Hot American Summer, the Wet Hot Ten Years Later. Did you watch the whole thing? Or? I did. Okay, cool. How'd you like it? Not as much as the previous incarnation, because the first day at camp one. The first day at camp, yeah. I haven't seen the first movie, so you've never seen the movie? Yeah. Oh shit, the movie's amazing. So I'm doing a lot of backtracking, obviously, in my head. But like the, you know, given the promise of the '90s, they really don't like touch on the '90s too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the whole. George Bush and Reagan like missile plot like it's funny when they try to explain away like it was all this clever ruse mm-hmm. like that's funny but just uh, I'd rather just watch a movie about them being funny at camp rather than like the whole government stuff so uh, I also rewatched Inner Space which I think I said last week yep and uh, you described it pretty thoroughly yeah I like Inner Space it's fun uh, I watched a uh, indie movie called girl asleep which is like an australian wes anderson movie because <laughs> uh i mean it's not as symmetrical as we did but uh-huh. the production design and the characters are very very similar to that but it's about a girl who is like coming of age and uh she's kind of an outcast and she has a friend who's like this boy who's also an outcast but she is dealing with the popular girls and then her parents like forced to have a birthday party that she doesn't want to have. Mm. And then it turns into like a, what's his name? A Spike Jones, but uh Michelle Gondry. Oh. So she like gets knocked out or something. And then she deals with all the problems she has in this dream that she's having. And it's just the dark forest. And then all the people in her life are reimagined as these weird characters and then she's kind of like going through the forest and like interacting with them. Sounds like it's a wonderful life meets Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> or uh, Where the Wild Things Are. Mm, that's um, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah, it was all right. It wasn't like a story I was 
super into, but um, the real standout is the like the shot composition and then the costumes and photography. So there's that. Um, and the uh, second to last, I watched Ingrid Goes West. Oh, really? Aubrey Plaza Instagram movie. So I've heard, I haven't seen it yet, and I've heard that this movie is uh, one big gigantic spoiler for the most part. Um, so without giving anything away to our audience, what can you tell me like, in terms of like how you reacted to it? I don't think there is anything to give away because the trailer is pretty straightforward. I, I know when I saw it at the film club, some people thought that it advertised a movie that it wasn't. Um, but I, it's supposed to be a stalker movie, right? A stalker. Well, people thought it was more of like a you know, haha, super funny comedy. But yeah. I figured it was it was a stalker movie that had comedic elements, mm-hmm. and that's what I got. Okay. Um. So if you just want to watch Aubrey Plaza hilariously track down <coughs> Elizabeth Olsen and try to be her friend for an hour and a half mm-hmm. um, and the consequences of that, uh, then this is the movie for you. Okay. Awesome. So I heard O'Shea Jackson's really good in it too. Yeah. I mean, everyone is like this big old Batman forever joke throughout the movie is what I heard. The only problem is like, you can't, I can't really get into any of the characters cause they all have, Oh, like even Aubrey Plaza, her just obsession with Instagram and Elizabeth Olsen is just so unappealing. And the way she goes about trying to befriend her, you're just like, I, I, I hope you get found out that you're a fraud. Pretty much extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. Like for the most part. And then Elizabeth Olsen and her boyfriend or her husband. And then, uh, maybe o- O'Shea Jackson is like the only, but the fact that he hangs around Aubrey Plaza's character and not like so much mm. makes like, yeah, he's, he deserves what he gets at the end. Mm. Like he should know better. So yeah, it's just kind of all around. Everyone's kind of meh as a character. Shitty people in the motion picture. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just like it's it it goes it, like into great detail showing like how using Instagram, like following some obsessing over someone's life through Instagram. You know, it, you're not seeing their entire personality. Like Elizabeth Olsen's has pictures of all these great things. Like the food she eats is amazing. And she goes to all these exotic places and that's great. But when you actually, you know, get to know her and how like shallow she really is, uh, it's, that's what Instagram doesn't tell you. Yeah. So except for mine, my Instagram tells me, tells you not only how, awesome i am but also how what lame movies I you am. just saw yeah and what the tickets look like yeah the tickets look like exactly i'm very straightforward <laughs> i don't fuck around <laughs> i don't really like using any of it yeah and then the last thing i saw which i really wish the other guys were here but i'll take you because this is important to you too okay i saw zodiac for the first time for the first time all righty now we're talking now we're talking and sorry meh fuck you <laughs> i'm not kidding like, in a thousand ways fuck you i expected like the way you guys made it seem i expected the greatest movie ever and then it starts out awesome mm-hmm. like i love when it cuts into scenes of the zodiac killer actually killing the people mm-hmm. but then there's a good like hour of the movie after that where it's just uh the hulk and iron man <laughs> and <laughs> bubble <be> boy <laughs> or donnie darko no, the Hulk, Iron it, Man, keep, and Donnie Darko. Keep, keep it Bubble Boy, please. <laughs> no, I'm going to do Donnie Darko. Okay, okay fine. <laughs> They're just kind of like going back and forth like, hey, I've got this th- lead. All right, go check it out. No, I can't go check it out. Like, 
But if I wanted mm-hmm. to check it out, I would do this mm-hmm. for like a good hour of it. Um, do you know what the movie's about, Brad? It's about the Zodiac Killer. It's about obsession. And it's about misinformation, and it is ultimately about like cons- con- consummation of your or consume consuming of your life. That film like has so many fucking layers. Like I, I just I, did you watch the? Did you watch the one on Netflix? Yeah. Okay, so is it not you, the director's cut? One? It's not the director's cut. So the director's cut, I will tell you right now, if you did not like this cut, you are probably not going to like the director's cut because it does. It delves even more into those layers. Um, I, I like. I'm into the mystery of actually trying to track down this guy. Like, yeah. I don't want to see an hour of like, oh, these guys are really into this mystery. Well, this is like the, 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 both the positive and the negative of Zodiac. I've always thought is that, on the one hand, what Fincher does to create suspense where there is no suspense, especially in my eyes, it's one is through the. Uh, uh, Mysterious driver and the woman with the baby, because it turns out there that couldn't have been um, the Zodiac himself, because it's just timelines don't work out. But the other one is when he, uh, um, uh, Brokeback Mountain goes to Roger Rabbit's house, and because uh, 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 there's a lead involving uh, movie posters, um, and uh, there's a brief moment where you think uh, Charles Fleischer, Rabbit, Rabbit, Roger Rabbit, you think Charles Fleischer might be the Zodiac, and this is an awkward, uncomfortable moment in his Well, the his way it's portrayed, it seems cellar. like he should be. Like, it's so on the nose. But, again, so is, so is Arthur Lee Allen, but then everything dis- everything points to that couldn't be it. And then even the ending still says, it's probably Arthur Lee Allen. <laughs> yeah, well, like, that's frustrating, too. Is like The thing is, is that, unfortunately, like the reality of this situation, because like, uh, I'll talk a lot more about it on the 2007 film explosion, but... This film took three viewings before I declared it the masterpiece I declared it. Like, it took me a long time to accept it. Because when you research the case, when you read the books by Grace Smith, and when you kind of, like, you don't have to dig as deep as he did, but you dig enough to know that there really is, unless unless DNA somehow points to someone directly, this this mystery will never be solved. It's literally a Jack the Ripper where you can theorize all you want. Um, like, it, And it more or less is like, it's in the same vein of Summer of Sam, which is a Spike Lee movie, where um, it's about the Son of Sam murders, but it's told from the perspective of people outside of the killings. Like, as far removed as you can get from it. The paranoia that surrounds San Francisco at that time is, like, fucking palpable. And then halfway through the movie, to see it kind of go away... But but it's somehow scarred and affected these particular people around that incident. That's where the drama lies, in my opinion. Um, but I do see from your point of view how it could be a meh uh, like, in, on Fincher. You like, know, like you know, there's that stretch where they jump ahead, like I don't know, five or ten years, because he doesn't make any calls. Right. Like it should just ended before that, because like after that, it's just you know. Donnie Darko going to the Hulk and saying like, "Hey, I have this thing you might want to follow." And then the Hulk says like, "I can't, but you know, if you want to pursue it, here's what you should do." And then like, none of that really leads to anything except mm-hmm. for just showing that how obsessed uh, they are. It leads to, th- and then everyone else like falling apart. Like there, there's more or less the lead of like Arthur Lee Allen. Like in Graysmith's mind, it's always going to be Arthur Lee Allen because of what he believes and based off of what he's researched. And like the more or less the payoff of that 
isn't necessarily the final scene. It's more when he goes to the uh, uh, hardware store that Lee's working in at the time in, I think, the uh, late 70s, early 80s. And he uh, he just stares at him for a little bit and then just kind of walks away. Um, the last scene, though, in the movie is my is my second favorite moment in the film because it's it's more or less it the the final line essentially is the point of the film, which is like no one knows shit, like it's all speculation um, because of how mismanaged the investigation was. That's a big like string throughout this entire film. So. Um, and it playing to hurdy gurdy man, which is more or less a very haunting way to kind of spice it together, uh, is why I love it. But anyway, because I also watched it this week, so <laughs> I, you know, I um, I'm preparing for all the different film explosions that we've got to do. That's right, that's a 2007. Yeah, so um, well, you know, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, I'm sure there's other Fincher fare you prefer more. So uh, seven. Seven, yeah, it's a good one. Much better mystery. Mm, okay, I know this. Like, there's not much that they can do about not, not actually finding the guy in real life. So, mm-hmm. the, it, you're making a movie that doesn't really have an ending. I'll make a new ending where it turns out you're the Zodiac killer. Sure, <laughs> that would be fascinating. <laughs> like, how did this guy who wasn't even born around then <laughs> commit these murders? It's your, it's your embryo ghost, <laughs> or your, um, your, um, fetus ghost <laughs> right, we're 52 minutes what have you been watching um okay so um watched a couple things um watched a lot of documentaries uh this week um one was called walt and el grupo <laughs> and um i mean the documentaries are gonna be flying by but uh walt and el grupo is basically the story of walt disney and how he in order to get away from a uh animator strike uh uh went on a mission for the war department during world war ii to south america for a goodwill tour and more or less, it's the story of how you get Saludos Amigos and the Three Caballeros. Um, it's interesting. It's it's more of it's more of an anecdotal thing. Like it's just like, eh, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened. The end. You know, we all know that Disney went on to make Disneyland and then had his head frozen. It's okay. Um, so uh, um, I uh, on the Disney front, um, I also saw the hand behind the mouse and uh, the Ub Iwerks story. And that was actually fascinating because um, I, I knew more or less the Ub Iwerks element into Disney, but I forgot that he did a lot of visual photo effects work for um, uh, Alfred Hitchcock and other directors and whatnot before he passed away. Um, in fact, his like his only Oscar that he got was for um, The Birds, I believe, for visual effects. So um, to uh, more or less like see the that man at work was interesting. Um, uh, so I got two movies from from my work for Ryan because he's trying to do his uh, Disney marathon. One, uh, they're both of them are the package features that he doesn't own because they're not on Blu-ray yet. Uh, Melody Time and Make Mine Music. So um, problem is is that they're DVD. So when you get them from a thrift store, you might want to check them because <laughs> you don't know if the DVD is scratched up to all hell. Um, so I watched Melody Time first. Um, and it's what it is. It's 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 animated shorts strung together. I mean the the Johnny Appleseed one and the Pecos Bill ones are the best ones. Um, uh, you know the 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 shorter ones are fun. There's a tome poem in uh one of them is pretty good, and then you know but rest of it's pretty standard. Like I say, like Johnny Appleseed one kind of made me cry a little bit because it was just I just forgot how much I loved that one when I was a kid. Um, and it's all sung by Dennis Day who sang for Jack Benny. So dug it. Uh, make my music. I wasn't the biggest fan of and i don't i think that was the first time i had ever seen that one 
um, as a whole, like for both of these. So make my music like the, the only short that stands out in it is uh, uh, a whale who wants to sing at the opera met of the Met Opera. And uh, it's all sung by Nelson Eddy, who was a, who was a operatic singer at the time, but he was very mainstream, very popular. So animation's good, you know. It's I would love to see them put it on on Blu-ray because I'm sure it would look amazing with some of the other shorts. Because there's some stuff that is more or less on the level of Fantasia good. So, uh, so those were good. Um, Ryan will be getting those. Cause they're both they both played through fine. No scratches, no skips, no nothing. So. He lucked out because they were pretty cheap to get to. Because, like, you look online, they're like 20 bucks a pop. Um, so I watched uh, two other documentaries. One was called "You uh, uh, Can We Take a Can We Take a Joke?" Um, I think it's called, and uh, it was it's more or less about internet shaming um, in terms of like, and it was made two years ago. Um, uh, and it's got Gilbert Gottfried, Adam Carolla. Lisa Manpanelli and whatnot. Basically, the the comics who don't really like the whole internet shaming phenomenon that's been going on, more or less. Like, if you if you take one step out of line, like you've offended like a million people on Twitter and whatnot, and and like it. So it's it's an interesting way to look at how the culture has progressed, and it side by side tells the story of Lenny Bruce. I will say that it is extremely one-sided. Like it, it for how entertaining it is and interesting it is, it is extremely one-sided and therefore I can't like I can't put it in that realm of a good documentary cuz ultimately it's that's like I mean Michael Moore's funny and whatnot, but he's not a really good documentarian. He's more of a satirist. Um and like you you have to like what he's saying in order to be entertained in the first place. Same goes with this documentary. Like if you're a person who doesn't feel that you should be shamed on the internet for making an honest mistake, then you know, like you're going to love this movie. Um, on the flip side of that though, was independent lens put out this documentary called the last laugh and its central theme is very fascinating. It interviews, uh, Jewish comedians, Jewish, uh, comedy, comedy writers, uh, Jewish authors and Holocaust survivors. And the central theme of the, uh, uh, movie is the, the byline. Can you make a joke about the Holocaust? And it's a very touchy subject, obviously. Um, so uh, the, uh, the 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 movie more or less kind of balances out like from the from the Holocaust to the present, from comedians' perspectives of like where does the line lie on this subject? And there was an argument like they had the guy from the Anti Defamation League who has a tragic story that his parents had to give him up in order for him to survive um, during the Holocaust. Like, they had to, like, give him out to adoption and whatnot. So, um, or, like, basically, like, to get him out of the country. And so he has a very specific view of how humor can play into the Holocaust. Like, he talks mainly about Borat and um, the whole um, throw the Jew down the well song from Borat, uh, which is, I think it's actually from the Ollie G show. I don't think it's from at the movie but they play a clip of it in the movie um but he also kind of like he talked about like uh, he talked about a couple different things that i was like more or less we could go both ways on this thing <laughs> so like it's it's a fascinating documentary it's actually one of the best documentaries i've seen this year because it did come out this year in limited release um and uh, i would highly recommend you check it out it is extremely 
heartbreaking by the end, um, but funny at the same time. Like it's 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 able to balance itself very well. Um, and then uh, uh, the only other thing that I watched this week. Sorry, I'm trying to remember. I don't write my stuff down like you fucking do. Um, no, actually, I think that's all I watched this week. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Way to get educated. Yeah. I guess that brings us to uh, this week's film. Yep. We saw Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky. The new so, uh, film from retired director Steven Soderbergh. Or as I call him, Steven Soderpop. Nobody else calls him that, obviously. Way to way to stick it to him. Yeah, I know. I love him. I, are you kidding? That's, a, that's an affectionate term. <laughs> so, Zach, should people go see... Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky, more like Logan Sucky. <laughs> wow. No, no, that's actually far from the truth. Um, Which blog site did you read that headline from? <laughs> no, I'm just Gene Shallot reincarnated, man, and he's not even dead yet, so go figure. Um, no, I actually, that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, I liked the movie a lot. Um, I had been waiting for Soderbergh to come back and do something fun to kind of reinvigorate my interest in him, and this was definitely a good way to kind of open the door, kick open the door again and come in with a bang, a Joe bang, if you will. Um, and <laughs> I'm full of them today, aren't I? Um, cast is good. Script is solid. Um, I, I wish we knew who the writer was. <laughs> um, <coughs> and I don't know what camera he shot it on, but I need to do research because, like, there was something about the production of this film where he was able to kind of work in different lighting conditions than most studio films can because, like, there was this new camera he was using. So, But it looked amazing. Like, it looked phenomenal. So I recommend you check it out. Um, and, you know, I understand why not many people are going to go see it this week um, because at the end of the day it is about good old Southern boys. <laughs> and um, So, but, you know, if you're in the mood for a good comedy hijinks caper, go watch this movie. Brad, should people watch Logan Lucky? Uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I was so worried that this was going to be like a throttling match. <laughs> there's, uh, it is weird, and I don't know if I should say it till after we play the trailer. So why don't we just play the trailer, and I'll continue this thought. Okay. Jimmy, I'm just gonna say it. I gotta let you go. You were just fired. I was let go for liability reasons involving insurance. The one-armed bartender. <laughs> you need to show a little respect. Charlotte Motor Speedway. I know how they move the money. The only guy who knows anything about blowing up real bank vaults is Joe Bang. I am incarcerated. Yeah, we got a plan to get you out. The Coca-Cola 600 is the biggest race of the year. We need a computer whiz. I know everything there is to know about computers, okay? All the Twitters, I know them. Welcome to the Coca-Cola 600. Now, how many yards away is the vault? 20 yards. I don't know, maybe 30. Is it 20 or is it 30? We are dealing with science here.
They're gonna know what we want them to know. My life of crime is over. That is massively stupid. It's been handled. All this is gonna be good. That looks like it hurt. I want everything on Jimmy Logan. I'm about to get naked. So no bacon. I said no bacon. You Logans must be as simple-minded as people say. People say that. <laughs> Would you give me my arm, please? Is it this one? <laughs> So, the only thing like it's it's tons of fun. The cast is great. Um, the 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 story is uh, like I I like how it unravels. Like it's not mm-hmm. exposition, and like you don't see things coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a weird, unsettling, like unconventional feeling to watch everything go smoothly in a heist movie. <laughs> yeah, almost like almost. But there's nothing that completely. Like there's a couple things that they don't expect, mm-hmm. but they quickly get over it, right? Or get through it. So it's by the end of the movie, I'm sitting there going like, okay, when's this going to turn on them? Mm-hmm. And that never happens, <laughs> and uh, that's weird. Um, so not wrong, just weird. Um, I have a um theory on that actually. So as we all know, Steven Soderbergh did oceans 11 12 13 sorry and he, they even set up like this family's cursed so mm-hmm. they're accustomed to things going bad and so it's it's almost like a red herring that he's like he knows the ending isn't going to be satisfying oh yeah enough yeah. so he sets it up so that you're always waiting for it but it never comes right it is well it, it's totally a red herring like it's not like a um it's not a it's, by the by the time you walk out of the movie you're like well they were kind of fooling me a little bit here um but like like I said, Soderbergh did um, Ocean's. I'm going to stick to Ocean's Eleven specifically on this because there's a lot of parallels you can make, and obviously the internet has made them. They've also been clear to point out how it's very different from that. Um, I mean, one of the biggest differences is that, as you pointed out, things go rather smoothly in this movie, um, whereas in Ocean's Eleven, there are more or less actual stakes, um, like or uh, interferences with the plot, um, but. The more I thought about it, Ocean's Eleven kind of goes pretty smoothly, too, because um, a lot of things that were set up as, like, hindrances or interferences are actually uh, things that were planned from the get-go, uh, whether it's uh, George Clooney getting beat up by that guy in that closet. It just turns out to be an act anyway, um, and uh, more or less, he plans to get caught. So in Logan Lucky, <coughs> the basic plot of the film is is that a guy gets uh, Channing Tatum gets laid off from his job, and his brother is a one-armed vet who works in a bar. One-handed vet. One-handed vet. Yeah, sorry, not one-armed because guys, he still got part of his arm left. Wor- left. So, um, laid off from his job. His brother's working in a bar. Um, they both get disrespected by Seth MacFarlane and a weird Burt Reynolds mustache and a British accent. Don't know what that character was about, but I totally went along with it. <laughs> and then Channing Tatum's ex-wife is going to move across state lines, thus negating his ability to. Uh, see his, his daughter. Yeah. So, um, the uh, um, uh, Tatum uh, was working construction in a tunnel way underneath a speedway, Charlotte Speedway, Charlotte Speedway. Um, so he devises a plan. 
because he knows how the money is transported to rob the money <coughs> from the vault. So they, in order to do this, they have to hire the assistance of career criminal Joe Bang, played by the amazing Daniel Craig. Holy shit, I, I don't want him to play Bond anymore. Fuck Bond. He's, <laughs> Bond's stupid. Let, I want to see Joe Bang movies all day. Um, There's a Joe Bang <laughs> franchise. I, I will totally see that. Like, you know how, like, people like Ryan love The Rock and Statham only in the Furious movies? I liked Joe Bang that much where I want to see, like, five Joe Bang movies. Like, Joe, Joe Bang MCU, man. Bring him into the MCU. Bring him into Avengers Infinity War. Um, so, but, uh, so they go through the heist. Everything's going as planned. They get the money. There's a couple of hindrances, which I think are more or less emotionally derived. Um, like, um, so, but, uh, and I'll get to one of them specifically in a minute, but to move it along, when, um, when all's said and done, uh, it looks like Tatum just leaves the money in the garbage, uh, bags in his truck outside of a gas station to be found. And that's when Hillary Swank comes in as an FBI investigator. Um, who, she's really only in the movie for about 15 minutes. She's not established at all. Not even that, maybe five. Yeah, maybe. She has like three scenes. Yeah. So, um, so the investigation, like, it's, it's, it's assumed that, like, Tatum has this weird turn of, turn of heart of finding out what's more important, spending time with his daughter or, um, uh, like, working to support his daughter to be able to see her. Like, it's a weird, like, it's about priorities, I guess. It's like making the time or whatever. Because like her, him coming to her talent pageant is very important uh, for the emotional arc of that character. But so more or less it seems like he gave up on the money. But then when you realize is that uh, in a key scene with Hillary Swank, the motorway does not really know because it was all cash transactions how much was actually stolen from the heist. Um, and they are more 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 or less dropping the investigation because um, they insurance got their the, the insurance bailed them out just like Ocean's Eleven with the insurance company pays you back. Um, so um, the reveal is that things you thought would set up something going wrong end up kind of correcting themselves more or less thanks to things that were placed at the beginning of the film um, such as where Joe Bang knows where to dig up the uh, money. Uh, at the end, because that was a setup from the first um, interaction he has with yeah, Tatum. Yeah, he's, he's only in the whole heist because he thought he had a nest egg. Yeah, and the nest stolen from him. And he from put that it, spot. Yeah, and so the the more or less the where there could be a confrontation. I don't know if it's setting up a sequel or not, or if it's just like Ocean's Eleven, where you see Clooney and uh, Roberts walk off or drive off, but then you see two of. Um, Terry Benedict's people in a car following them down the road. So there's a hint that there's no escaping what he's done. And so Hillary Swank ends up in the bar that, uh, that's my next biggest question is I couldn't tell if she was going undercover to try and capture them or if she was just another, like just coincidentally, because everyone else at the bar at the end has like a significant other to like latch onto, except for t- or uh, Kylo Ren. <laughs> um, and like I, I kept trying to think back, like did Hillary Swank because she had a, like a sport coat on mm-hmm. in all her previous scenes, so you could never really tell if she had was missing an arm. 
So I don't know if they were just trying to like give him someone like at the end. And then, but then there's no, that, that shot of I don't his, think that's it at all. <laughs> is she like pretending to have like a missing arm? I think she's to uh, get to them. I, I don't know exactly how it's supposed to play out, but my guess is like I was alluding to with the oceans 11 uh, comparison is, is that it it's going one of two ways is that it's ending itself in an ambiguous way where either a we're getting Logan lucky Two, which would be great. Uh, or B, we are left to assume that shit might go down. We don't know if it's going to go down, but that's not the point of this story at this moment right now. And then what's with the shot of um, Kylo Ren's original hand, like with the the beer glass, like on that one table? I so I I thought it I, what does that mean? I. I kind of equate it to visually it looks stunning, but I would want to watch the movie again and listen a little bit more to the dialogue too. Cause I was, I was caught when I watch movies that Soderbergh does in that vein, I get caught up in the whole air of it and I don't always study each thing individually. So I definitely have to watch the, the movie again to kind of grasp certain visual imagery. Like the initial, my initial thing on it was what's his overarching theme here and not less the specifics. And the overarching theme of this film is I once did a movie about slick criminals in really nice dress suits. Now I'm going to, as the poster says, show you how the other half steals. <laughs> yeah. Cause it I, is a Southern fried movie, man. Like this is a shit ton of like, that's what I got. It was two things. It's, it seemed like an indictment of Southern culture. Like, not that it's like bad, but just like, here's like a Hollywood insiders view of what the South is like. I, I think I think you're on the right track, but you're gonna have to switch into a different uh, track lane in a second because Soderbergh's really Soderbergh's a lot smarter than some people give him credit for, and like I mean, he's already a genius on on one front, but um, his uh, he's from Tennessee, he's from the South, so he's not like he's not immune to. So he's done his research. He's done his research. He knows what this is. Yeah. So my guess is is that. So it's more it, like a send up of it's it's a send up of what he supposes Hollywood supposes the South is. Yeah, like then, it's like it, it, there's a level there's a couple layers here and like and it and it just I think he understands how to uh, broach this subject without seeming insulting because I don't think this is film is insulting to Southern people at all. But I it, really don't. But it does portray a lot of cliches. <laughs> it, it does, but I think it handles them in a way that's more mature than Larry the Cable Guy fucking, like, pulling up his pants after he shows his rear end. You know? Like, yeah. I think it's a lot more respect... Like the I, I equated it to a Coen Brother movie in a way because, like, the speech pattern is smarter than, like, two hicks at a bar going, I hate Obama. You know? Like, it's, it's fucking, like... It's straight up, like, normal people conversations. Like, there's just a twang to it. Um, and in a lot of ways, like it reminded me of smoking the bandit. Um, the original one was set with, uh, or the, the, the original one from 76 where you or 77, where you get, uh, you get people who are pretty much just people. Like they're just, it's just the way they, they live. Um, I do believe though, that part of that Southern twang is why a lot of people avoided it at the, <laughs> at the movies this weekend. <laughs> Cause as I said earlier, the world set itself on fire the week before. I think we all kind of wanted to just go see Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson shoot things. Yeah. Because um, this, 
This film isn't ashamed to be Southern. I will say that as, as brilliant as it is, you know, it is not ashamed to glorify NASCAR and America. (laughs) And then the other thing I got from it was like, it seemed like the whole movie was just trying to be that Channing Tatum, um, you know, isn't a loser because this is a pretty brilliant plan. And like, it's, it's set up in very specific ways that, um, you know, it's, it's almost like they thought whoever wrote it, like, okay, if I had to rob a speedway and with all the information I know about how the inner workings, like, cause there's very far fetched, like the fact that two of the heist people are already incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a specific once in a lifetime, like scenario. Um, so the, like the fact that uh, Chain Tatum like goes through with it has little adversity thrust at him after he gets fired um, or let go. Um, it's just it seems like the whole point of the movie is just to show like yeah this guy's not like yeah he he screwed up some kind of plan early on in his childhood and that's why his brother's like skeptical about like even doing this but he made up for it and it seemed like it was really easy to do. Um, and that's like the point, which is like, okay, that's good. I guess I feel like when Soderbergh's always been good about this for the most part is that he, he, so like, you know how Tarantino is very good at me is good at sending love to the seventies. I think Soderbergh's the only one who actually knows how to make a seventies movie to a degree because the way the script is structured and the way the, the events play out. Like, it doesn't have to delve into a shit ton of backstory. Like, I don't... And I'm glad, because I don't want to be dumped with a big exposition dump um, without it having a purpose. And he spares... He sparses it out very cleverly. Um, Or whoever's writing it. Rebecca Blunt is the credited writer, but apparently this might not be an actual person. So Mm -hmm. this could have just been Steven Soderbergh writing under a woman's name. We don't know. But um, I we know he shot the film because Pete Andrews shot the film, and Pete Andrews is Soderbergh. So, hmm. um, it's just one big illusion, guys. He's pulling a curtain that you can clearly see through, um, because he's he's awesome. Um, but so I liked that element of it. But I understand what you're saying. Like from a modern context, we are so used to kind of being more or less spoon fed our motivations that we don't like, when we see something that doesn't like necessarily explain itself off the top, we get confused. So like I kind of more or less for me, I kind of just let it ride for what it is. That's what I'm saying is this movie's kind of like, you're just along for the ride. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't, there's nothing to like, I mean, you know, like I don't need, I don't need another origin story. Quote unquote is, is, is my more or less take from it. But I, again, I see like how it does feel strange because you know, it's, um, like in a Marx Brothers movie, like you don't know where the fuck Groucho's each of Groucho's characters actually come from. Like you don't, you can't really believe that Rufus T. Firefly is actually a, a doctor is actually a decent person. No, but you just kind of go along with it, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the movie's awesome. I would definitely check it out. I'd love if people checked it out in a theater because the whole model for the distribution was that is basically what Kevin tried to do with red state before he got up on stage with his hockey stick, um, is to cover all the foreign and domestic sales, um, 
uh, and get the movie in the black. Like pay the budget back, get all your investors their money back immediately, so that everything else you're getting is profit. But it's only made eight million at the box office thus far, and it's his second lowest opening, only uh, beaten by Solaris. So I don't know what the future of Logan Lucky is going to be, or freestyle releasing, which is essentially his new company. So we'll see. I'd like to see Steven Soderbergh um, be successful with this venture because it could open up doors for a lot of people. So, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens, man. All right. So next week, <laughs> next, I don't know so what we're going to do. So I checked the schedule. It's There's two options. We either all bite the bullet and see Wind River, which I'm totally down for, or it's Film Explosion time. <laughs> A Film Explosion... Two weeks after we already did one. I'm just saying, like, you know, I mean, I hey, Wind River's from the writer of Sicario. We so. could do Brigsby Bear, because that's going to be out in a limited release. It is? Or, I thought it was just a one-screening thing at Sloan's. Are they doing an actual run? Well, I mean, if we, like, it's at the Esquire, so. Oh, I, oh shoot, I didn't even know. Yeah, you, um, you can either go see it. I mean, it seems like it's going to be, like, it. It's, I said it opens on Thursday, but, you know, they don't have they don't have Friday out yet, so it might go through Friday. Well, I mean, we'll have to discuss it with the other people, um, the yeah. other the other three, because we're just two people, Brad. We can't change the world on our own. Not with that attitude. <laughs> um, Fuck you, I'm a pacifist. Yeah, August 25th. Yeah, All Saints, Birth of the Dragon. Uh, <laughs> the Bruce Lee movie. I've heard, apparently Bruce Lee's estate is condemning the movie, so I'm kind of like... I can't believe there's a movie really called interested. 9-11, which I've never seen a trailer poster for, coming out on With September Charlie 8. Sheen and Whoopi Goldberg. I but that's also It, so I think everyone's going to go see It. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure we're all going to be going to It. Even James will be going to It. I'm not excited about it. <laughs> I might skip that week. It's... Uh... Don't do that. Um, You'll float too, Brad. You'll float too. <laughs> already old. Um, September 1st also, I don't know, like two back-to-back to weeks of film explosion, so we should probably see something new next week. So I'm going to go with Brigsby Bear. Okay. Unless we get vetoed. Okay. Um, I, I'm down for Wind River because, again, Sicario guy. It's a Denny Villanueva? No, but the guy who wrote Sicario... And wrote Hell or High Water. Um, it's his directorial debut, and it's with Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. And it's a murder mystery in the snow, so you'll see a lot of red on white. Cool. Which will satiate you until the Snowman movie comes out. Which Have you seen the poster for that? What? It's like the Snowman Murders or something like that. You'll have to, I'll send you a link to it, but it's, mm. it's like one of those girl-on-a-train mystery things, but the trailer... Looks more or less like a fucking David Fincher movie. But instead of Emily Blunt, it's a snowman. <laughs> no, like, well, there is actually a scene in the trailer where you see a person's been decapitated, and instead of their head, it's a snowman's head on top of them. So I'm like, fuck, I'm there. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, yeah. until next week, this until is... Next week. Thanks for listening to Realist Podcast. Yep, bye. Really? Not even... Real Nerds Podcast is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. The Real Nerds would like to thank the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now open in Sloan's Lake. We also would like to thank Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics, especially Andrew. Our music has been brought to you by Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios. And of course, thanks to James's mother, our most loyal listener. Have a nice day.